And welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Jake Peach and Chris Moss. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO podcast underscore on Instagram. Good to have you back, Chris. How was it last week? You had a nice, you had a nice rest? You let me do everything on my own? Yeah. I mean, it's just a bit, bit busy, mate. A bit busy. Yeah, life, life is coming at me left, right, and centre. <laughs> you know, so I, I had a week off work. And yeah. Just, just wanted to chill pretty out. Pretty busy. Pretty busy. Yeah. Pretty busy. You watched the race though last week. To next one. You watched it last. I think. Yeah, you did. F- first time, first time in a, in a little while. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's good to have you don't, back. Don't get, don't, don't get much chances to actually see him live. Uh, it's good to have you back, Chris, on, on Around the Outside. And in this episode, we're going to take a short trip across the States to Mexico, where we'll be racing in the clouds pretty much, the highest Grand Prix in altitude on the calendar at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. We'll round up all the latest news and gossip from the last two weeks, of which there is always plenty in the paddock. But first, let's look back on a sizzling race in Texas last time out. So this was, I believe, the latest Grand Prix that on the calendar so far this year in terms of timings to watch it. Um, qualifying started at 10 in the evening and then the race was starting at like 8 or sometime. So it was a bit of a late one for us, but I enjoyed it very much so. And as usual, a strategic game of chess played out between Red Bull and Mercedes as Hamilton Verstappen locked heads once again. Good start from Hamilton jumping off the grid into P1 off the line, but an early pit stop call from Red Bull on the second pit stop put it all on the line. Um, bit of a risky move, Chris, but it seemed to pay off. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it all throughout the season, and even, even the past couple of seasons. The undercut at certain tracks seem to be more dominant than others. The one where it don't seem to be paying off was Monaco, which Mercedes found out mm. pretty badly. Um but you know we we saw it uh, this you know in in America and Red Bull seemed to have just about timed it well enough I think maybe a few more laps in the race mm. and uh, it could have been a bit different it was getting very hot and feisty in the Texas sun as mm. I'm sure Perez very much knows <laughs> um, but yeah it was it was a good race it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I, I I have quite a few friends who are Max Verstappen fans, but um, and I always say to him, whenever Max wins, it's it's normally quite a boring Grand Prix. Cause, I mean, Zandvoort was pretty yeah. boring. It was because he's Belgium in control. The most boring race ever. Well, there wasn't um, a race. Let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it, 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 he always just sort of seems to be out in front, and that's it. There's not really much racing for the lead. Mm. Um, I think the last race he won where it was actually quite good and competitive for the lead was France. Yeah. Um, and it was very much like that, where it was going to be a last lap overtake. Is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? A bit like Barcelona, where Max was the one doing the chasing. And um, yeah, it, it was very much entertaining right until the end. Uh, it was, well, I mean, Hamilton. So Verstappen pitted on lap 27 to come out on lap 28. And Hamilton and Mercedes pitted eight laps later. So they were trying to make their tyres fresher towards the end of the race. And 
Toto Wolf came on the radio to Hamilton and said, we're going for the win for this. It's going to be about the last, it's going to be about the last three laps and you're going to make it count. But once Hamilton got behind, I think, I don't know, in the dirty air, we had a lot of traffic, uh, hampering Verstappen actually, which helped for Hamilton catch up. But just for some reason, unlike other times in the past, just couldn't make it stick. And Verstappen seemed to somehow find performance out of tyres that were eight laps older and managed to make sort of the, the DRS zone and, and, and all of, you know, bridging the gap for the one second, making it work. And I, I, I don't really understand how he did it, to be quite honest. It looked like Hamilton was going to do it. So how, how do you think he pulled it off? Because I don't. I don't um, have a clue. There's a few things. Um, I mean, the Red Bull was the faster car over the weekend. Mm. I mean, apart mm. from practice one, it, the Mercedes looked like they were going to dominate, but very much Red Bull pulled it back on the Saturday. Mm. Um but race pace, they looked strong all weekend anyway. But I think towards the end, Hamilton was probably having to eat more of his tyre to catch up. Um, yeah. So it probably took more life out, whereas Max, you know, didn't have to push straight so much straight away because he was in the lead after the first round pit stops. Mm. And he knew he was going to get a bit of a lead after the second round as well. Um, but also then right at the end, um, Mick Schumacher um, got yeah. Max DRS. So any chance Lewis would have had on the last lap pretty much got taken away before the lap even begun, hmm. which I'm sure Max Verstappen will be going over to Haas and you know, <laughs> celebrating with them because, you know, that potentially could have got Max the victory that, yeah. but you know, Max did what he needed to do. He, he can control his tires. I mean, he's got a great teammate that he's probably learned a little bit of how to control the tires. Yeah. We you know Perez can do probably an entire race on a dry set of tires. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I think, Max is that was probably one thing Max needed to evolve, um, which he's definitely what, from, done so more from this year. La, from last season, yeah, mm. yeah. I, I'd say he's always been like, most most quick drivers tend to be when they first get into F one. They're they're very aggressive on their tires. I mean, if you remember back in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, Lewis Hamilton used to always chew up his tires. Mm, mm. I mean, he still does now. He always complains about his tires, but <laughs> he, he can control them. That that's the point. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've seen, like, Jensen Button, when he first started in Formula 1, he wasn't, you know, lightning quick. He got good qualifying. But, you know, it took him, what, six, five, six years to eventually win a race. Mm, yeah. Um, but Jensen, Yano truly, you know, can absolutely nail to keep tyres in the window when they need to. You know, we had the same with Robert Kubica. He was great on his tyres. So, I think that's one little bit Max has had to adapt um, mm. to fight in this championship and so far he seems to be doing it very well I've, I think there's maybe one or two races where his tyres had absolutely gone off the cliff mm. but other than that I mean it's just sort of been bog standard comfortable sort of <laughs> controlling racing yeah, yeah. And, I, and I know that the gap is 12 points coming out of, out of Cota and going into Mexico this weekend and I know it's very pessimistic from one point of view or defeatist to say the title's done but I, I really I personally really do feel for the first time this season that the momentum has really shifted and Verstappen you know barring a a terrible retirement or DNF and, and Christian Horner and Toto Wolff said they both don't want that to be the way that's decided um, it really is looking like Max's year I have to say that definitively for the first time would you would you agree or do you think there's Oh, see, Obviously, still, anything can happen. Still too early to tell. I mean, you think? Jesus, you get twenty five. Well, twenty five points, and then if you get fastest lap on top of that, twenty six points for a mm. race win. Mm. So, if one of them was to DNF, 
I mean, if Lewis DNF'd, I'd say probably game set and match, Max has got it. Mm. I don't think Lewis would be gaining, what, 38 points over <laughs> the course of what would be four races remaining. It would pretty, be pretty tight an effort, wouldn't it? It, it would be. Um, but if any driver would do it, it would be Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, if Max was to retire, you know, suddenly that's a 14-point swing in Lewis's favour if he gets mm. the fastest lap. Mm. I mean, we know Brazil is a very strong track for both cars. Um, Max has won there in the past few years, as has Lewis Hamilton. Um, Abu Dhabi, you know, Max won there last year, but is traditionally a Mercedes track. Yeah. Um, we've got Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. We've never been to before. So that is up in arms. It could mm. be good for either. could be bad for both. Um, and the same thing was with LaSalle. You'd imagine that would probably be more of a Mercedes track with the long straight. Yeah. Um, and, and the fast corners. But again, you never know until you go there. So we've, we've still got two tracks we've never, ever been to before. Yeah, and We've I got guess the sprint race next weekend. Yeah, uh, can't forget about that. Yeah, and you know every time we have a sprint race, them two always come together. So mm. you never know what happens. <laughs> and um, and obviously we've got the season finale in Abu Dhabi. So twelve points in the scheme of things is nothing when there's a hundred and thirty points left to on go the get. table. Yeah, and I guess the unique thing about the end of this season is those two new races, isn't it? Like that we've never yes. been to before. Normally teams would have. Uh, ample simulations and an idea of what's going to go down from previous years and races but there is none of that there is like you know it's two clean slates and two clean pages for the teams to try and attack and yeah don't know what either way they were going to go and you would think with you know Jeddah seeing the first simulations of it it looks quite a fast windy track that might play to the chassis of Red Bull a bit more but then as you say that might be cancelled out by the sort of long straights power hungry LaSalle in Qatar so again it just cancels itself out doesn't it it's just um yeah it's really interesting to see how it'll how it'll go um but yeah you you, so you still think it's on the line oh it's still very much I think I think this year is going to be <coughs> a, a last race battle I think it'll go really tabby dabby mm. um I think so I've there's a couple of people that have said that Lewis still isn't out of this and one of them being Nico Rosberg. Yeah. You know, so mm, mm. Well, he knows all too well about He about knows Lewis. all too well for one um, and he's been down to the line a couple of times with Lewis in 2014 and 2016. Yeah. So he's probably the best person. Well, one, he knows how to beat Lewis. One of only two drivers to have ever beaten Lewis in the Formula 1 World Championship, Jensen mm. Button being the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been you know the only one who's had that for the actual title because i remember back in 2010 and 2012 when they're all battling mm. like they were still quite a far bit behind where red bull were mm. um but you know it's can max on his young head outmaneuver the wily fox of lewis hamilton that's I don't know. Well, that's what's making this season so interesting. Yeah, it's just it's it's so it's so unknown. Given you know, if people suddenly started watching this at the start of the hybrid era, this is now like the the most incredible finale that they've ever witnessed. So, and the worst thing is they're changing it all up for next year. Yeah, (laughs) just just as it was getting good. Typical, Um, isn't it? (laughs) uh, Of course. Um, Well, look, we've focused on the front, of course, Uh, understandably, naturally, for the first few minutes. Let's move on now to Perez, who I mean, the poor sod. He didn't. He he got third on in the race, which is a really impressive performance, and was quick all weekend. 
arguably the quickest he's been all season, barring um, Baku and, and Azerbaijan. He didn't have a drink for, from lap one for the whole race, and he was racing every lap under boards that said, don't drink and drive. I mean, oh, it must have been absolute agony for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, luckily he got on the podium, but I was, I was, I've watched a video um, this week, actually, about weird sort of things that involve Formula One and the podium and like mm. the do's and don'ts and the things that you can have and can't have. Um, he's probably quite glad to be on the podium because you get two bottles of water. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they got drunk way before he got anywhere near the podium. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we saw it on TV. It was absolute scorching weather, um, which was nice to see because obviously it had been raining, like, I think the night before mm. the race. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Kimi Raikkonen's had it without drink water, like, in, in the car. <laughs> Not um, as long as David that, though. David um, But yeah, it's... It's not something you'd ever want and say this weekend Red Bull better hope that they have that drink system fixed because if it's going to be hot again in Mexico, <laughs> I mean, with the altitude, you, you're going to need a drink. Yeah, maybe not tequilas, but uh, maybe something a bit less. Maybe after the race, tequilas that are there for him. Um, but yeah, just I don't think we realise from the outside, or if you don't follow the sport too closely how physically demanding it still is. Like, they make it look so easy and we say, oh, these cars aren't very challenging on the body like they used to be. And, you know, like going back to the days of Michael Schumacher taking fitness to another level, but still driving a Formula 1 car at incredible speeds and G-forces, it takes a lot out of you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're pulling so many G per lap. And then not only that, but then they lose about five plus kilos in a mm. race mm. just just through sweat <laughs> lovely know, people for, for, forget about that, all of that so it is still very physically demanding yeah i mean mexico again like we say it's high up in the altitude mm. so it's going to be worse in that regards um because you've got less of oxygen up the higher you are uh and yeah it's more physically demanding in that sort of sense then say when we go to Brazil where it's you know a lot closer to sea level mm. you know it, it's two very different races and you say and then we've got three races in the desert left to still do after that yeah yeah just equally as demanding yeah thank you for your bite-sized science lesson it's um it's okay very very interesting um <laughs> and let's let's sort of touch on Alonso Raikkonen and Giovinazzi now who are kind of names you wouldn't think would be battling too much, but they were in Kota. Yeah, and it's so Raikkonen, you can sort of imagine. I mean, they've been battling most of their F1 careers. Most of their careers, but yeah, how they sort of came together in, in this particular grid in the race, it got a bit frisky. Yeah, maybe into not turn for full team. No, not for full <laughs> team, but it got a bit it got a bit frisky, got a bit touchy into turn one. And uh, Alonso was, let's say, stretching his elbows out into the curb of turn one. What did you make for that? Oh, t- oh, see... I, I don't know about you, but I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the feistiness of all of them. Like, mm. they went off the track, but they didn't care. They kept <laughs> on going. And then, like, the team managers and, like, spokespeople were getting involved. Yeah. Like, FIA. Oh, he did that. Why can't we do that? Give like, him a penalty. Give the face back. Give him a penalty. And they're like, they have to let him back through. And then they go back through and, like, they're bumping wheels. That, yeah. That's racing. Like, just makes you think of like Mansell Senna I don't think we cared at, about if Spain, any of them got a penalty mm. I don't think any of us cared if any of them got a penalty they gave hard racing and they didn't like cause a collision by doing it they bumped wheels they forced each other away they literally gave the definition of hard racing yeah and we all loved it 
and kind of like in football in England now, like where you know it's got a bit. I mean, compared to sort of twenty, thirty years ago, it's like tackles used to go in everywhere all the time, and and you feel I like mean, you could touch if, you could touch an arm on a footballer and it would go down. Well, that's right. it. Like nowadays, I'm saying I'm like comparing it now. Do you think F1 has kind of lost its, you know, its touch a bit? And and I know I know safety like takes a more and more of a. An importance think, per per year, but you know, it's it, as you said, it's so enjoyable to watch as long as it you know doesn't end up. I think safety in the past horribly. fifteen years has changed an awful lot. I think since Schumacher retired the first time, I think, I think it has got a bit different. I think a lot of things that you could do, like you're just not allowed to do anymore. Like mm, mm. we used to enjoy hard racing. We used to see him, and if there was a collision, you know. The driver used to be the one at fault, would put his hands up and say, you know, I did it, sorry, you know, yeah. and then we move on. Whereas now it's like, with the whole thing of social media, like, it don't get let go. I mean, we still talk about Danny Kvyat as a torpedo, even though that was about <laughs> six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, racing as a whole is, is very scrutinised now mm. to the point mm. where even if, you know, someone moved the steering wheel slightly to the right, even though there's about two cars bits, you know, they're, they're moaning that they're moving over on them. It's very you know, examined, I mean, what, isn't it? I mean, we had it in Baku, you know, when Ericsson was racing and Grosjean got told that Ericsson hit him yeah, to the barrier when he, he spun himself. <laughs> he did. Like, I mean, what's that all about? I mean, that that's where, you know, things have gone a bit too far. Yeah. Stuff stuff like that. Well, and you, and you mentioned Schumacher. The, the thing I remember, like, the most in sort of, my time watching F1 was when Schumacher had come back into the sport and he was racing yeah. Barrichello in Budapest. Barrichello. Yeah, <sighs> right, was... right up against the wall. That is the most, <sighs> that is the closest I've ever seen. But it, oh, it, yeah. was, it was so good. But I mean, that was, that was very, it, it was dangerous. But I'll tell you what, both drivers were like, going I loved it. it. They, they, yeah. And mm. bear in mind, they're ex teammates as well. Yeah. <laughs> and funny you bring that clip up because I actually saw a video today. I think it was someone driving a Nissan uh, GTR. Where's this guy? It was clearly like a Photoshop thing. Like right. He was driving a Nissan GTR, but like there was the clip of Schumacher in front. Oh. And he was overtaking, yes. going towards the barrier. And he's like screaming at like, Schumacher <laughs> moving over on him. Yeah, I've seen that. It, it was very, very funny. That's pretty, yeah. But yeah. But yeah, no, it's stuff like that. You just can't, you just can't do that anymore. No, you know, we, we, I get, I get the whole weaving thing, like, because that is just annoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just race it. I think they just need to give racing more. I think, I think they've done well with bringing the black and white flags. If something's too dangerous, mm, give mm, them a black and white flag. Mm. I think don't just hand out penalties willy nilly because they've done that quite a lot this year as well. Well, see, I mean, inconsistency, sort of like, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we saw in Austria. I mean penalties yeah. left right and center i mean yeah drivers lost out but at the same point did they need to give a penalty mm. couldn't they have just you know told him bad boy <laughs> is that the word you you're a bad boy don't do that again go, go sit in the naughty corner <laughs> if there was such a can you imagine like a sin bin for formula one would you be sitting in the pits yeah, for a lap have to get out of your car run <laughs> to the end of the pit lane, run back get in your car go <laughs> Oh, that, that would be a sick penalty that. yeah that would mix it up oh my god um, that would be like a one minute penalty <laughs> well they wouldn't be in it it'd be, their race would be done um, let's finally finish on Charles Leclerc who finished 15 seconds ahead of Ricardo. another bit of a slam dunk for Ferrari against McLaren against the sort of those two teams this season the sort of going for 
for third place and they've just gained a massive slice of performance I think Ferrari in the last couple of races with their upgrades and, and of course it's the amazing driving of Leclerc anyway but um, how good is it to see Ferrari kind of getting their muscles back out again yeah it's great it's, it's nice to see the two former titans of Formula 1 battling it out albeit it's not where we want to see them we want to see them a few positions ahead of mm. where they're finishing mm. now um, but the fact that they're there or thereabouts is, is still great I mean they finished ahead of one Mercedes um, but you know on the, on the whole Charles Leclerc was in a race of his own he was mm. nowhere near the top three he was nowhere near Ricardo. I mean 15 seconds in F1 terms is, is a um, lifetime yeah it is a lot <laughs> um, but you know Ferrari and McLaren were racing each other the entire race. As soon as Leclerc got away from them, I mean, Sainz was racing with Ricardo. Yeah. Norris was there. They were battling. They were trying to do undercuts on each other. They were racing each other. It, it, it was a good battle throughout the entire race. And um, I think Sky paid homage to that because they did focus on that battle quite a fair bit. Mm, mm. And it got it got a bit frisky between Ricardo and Sainz at one point as well, actually. It was kind of frisky all over. Um, it was very much to the wire going into the beginning of sector three and they came down out into the braking zone, heavy braking zone of the of the long straight. And um, there were some choice words, but both drivers, again, like we've been saying, they enjoyed it and they didn't mind. It was very, you know, very on the edge, but just about acceptable. And they Put loved it. this it. way, they both sent it. Yeah, they both sent it down the inside. Um, yeah, so no, it was, it, was a, it was a great race and actually had a bit of everything across the field. And once again, just the front the front runners keeping us keeping us on our toes. I have absolutely no idea what way it's going to go. Well, I, I do think it's a bit more sold towards Verstappen now, but we shall see. What do you think, listening? Let us know on socials, uh, at Around the Outside Podcast uh, on, on Facebook. I just searched that on there. Um, or we're at HO Podcast underscore on Instagram. Just slide into the DMs or comment on the episode post that we'll be putting out for this episode. Okay, let's move on and round up all of the latest news and goss from the world of Formula One. So we start off with the Chinese Grand Prix this week. Uh, it's been extended until the year 2025. Obviously, we haven't been there for the past two seasons, but I think Formula One will lose a big part of its market share if it wasn't to return to China. Obviously, mm. 1.2 billion people that live in the country is a, is a big <laughs> marketing place for Formula One. Um, mm. And to be fair, I, I quite like the track at Shanghai. I think it's one of my favourites. I think the fans love it. I think the drivers love it. Um, unless you're Carlos Sainz and your tyres blow up. Or is that Buemi? I can't remember. I think it might have been Buemi. Like that was Sebastian Buemi, yeah. yeah. Going down to the end of that straight and yeah. then just... I don't, I don't well, think he particularly bizarre. China after that. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I quite like the track. So I'm quite happy that it's looking to return. I'm not too sure. I don't think it's got a place in the calendar for next year yet. No, I'm it not hasn't. too sure. Yeah, not so, going there next season. So yeah, three years in a row without going there. But hopefully from 2023, you know, providing this pandemic is a lot more under control, we should be mm. returning back to Shanghai, which would be great. Um, 
Kevin Magnuson, he's had some choice words in his new book, All or Nothing. He's been reflecting on his time within Formula One and particularly talking about Williams. Obviously, the driver retired from Formula One at the end of last season, but he made some claims to which, Jake, you found particularly shocking, um, that he actually got Hmm. spoken to by Williams for a seat for this season's Formula One season. Yeah, well, we were talking about this before we we came on and did this, that... um... Is, I think they, Williams were trying to probably preempt George Russell possibly going to Mercedes last season, so um, replacing Bottas a year earlier. However, it didn't happen. But then Magnussen, yeah, apparently was approached by Williams to fill that possible vacant seat, and Magnussen found it absolutely dumbfounding that at the end of his Haas career, he one would be taking some backward steps, but two that they would wouldn't drop Latifi, but instead drop dropped George Russell because he thinks he's a much better driver than Latifi. Uh, Magnussen would have had to fi- found lots of sponsors and lots of money and, and throw a lot of checks at Williams to get that seat and, again, be a pay driver in a lot of ways, which I don't think he's ever really wanted to be and hasn't been since his time in, in F1 and has been known more for his you know his outright talent and speed. I think that would be fair to say. But, yeah, he called the approach by Williams idiocy, which I don't know. I mean, I can sort of understand it being George. Yeah. Being I mean, it's pretty strong words better, um, mm. than Nicholas Latifi. But I think I think the thing that shocked me because obviously this book was it must have been done pre this season. Um, yes. Was how he's he felt it was taking a backward step from Haas. I mean, mm. right now Williams are ahead of Alfa Romeo. Uh, Williams have had a fantastic season, albeit massively hurt with a, a, a Belgian race that didn't happen. Um, yeah, but overall, Williams have been scoring points, and they've scored points in quite a few races this year. Um, yeah, and to be fair, they out of all the teams, uh, other than potentially McLaren and Ferrari, they look like the team that are on the up. Yeah, uh, Alpine got... have not had a great season. They they've won a race, mm-hmm. um, but apart from that, they've not really had anything too major to sort of shout about this year. Um, I mean, Alfa Romeo, they've had a pretty poor performance this season mm. Haas I mm-hmm. think we both predicted we're gonna we're gonna do yep. pretty poorly um, <laughs> they have sadly yeah so I think overall I think Williams are, are definitely one of the contenders for the team of the season improvement wise uh, along with um, oh with, without doubt McLaren and Ferrari yeah so maybe Magnussen's got a bit of egg on his face now yeah, maybe so wishes who, he who knows what 2022 has to offer for Williams I mean I'd love to see him back up front. yeah yeah, we never know. We'll have uh, Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi leading the way. And um, as we've talked about, the irony of George Russell leaving to Mercedes and they fall back. Um, that would be... That would be heartbreak oh, for George Russell. <laughs> yeah, it would feel horrible. We, we, we but, don't uh, want that. Yeah. No, we really don't want that. Um, um, talk about Red Bull so, um, this coming weekend for Mexico. So, yes, we're obviously at the Checo Grand Prix, uh, the Mexican Grand Prix, in fact, um, which I believe they... Isn't it now the Mexican City Grand Prix. They've re had, they've had to rename yes. it from the Mexican Grand Prix like the organisers. So yeah, we're at the Mexican City Grand Prix, um, and yeah, Red Bull have admitted um, to which I'm sure a lot of fans are gutted about, but probably not surprised about that they've said that team orders are very much on the table for this event, um, even though it's Checo's home race. Uh, I, I don't think many of us are expecting Checo to be winning, um, if, mm. if we're perfectly honest, but. If he happened to be leading on the final lap of the race and Max is second, 
I don't think any of us are going to be surprised that Red Bull tell him to slow down and let Max past. No, uh, but also on the same note, can you imagine going through the stadium section before the last corner and them swapping at that moment I, and I, the fans I, I feel like and their reaction? Be a big can load you, of booze. Can you imagine? I feel like oh my Red Bull God. might be thrown at the Red Bull drivers. It might it might bring back, you know, memories and echoes of Schumacher and Barrichello. I feel in, like there uh, might be a in Indy riot. In, I don't think there'll be Mexican waves. I think there'll be a Mexican riot. <laughs> well, for everyone throwing their Corona beers down at the track. God, for, that would be horrible. Throwing their Coronas, not drinking their tequilas. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything. Smashing any piñata they can find to yeah. take their anger out. Guacamole will be thrown at Red Bull. <laughs> uh, be, that's about as much as Mexican cuisine I know <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah so but it's definitely understandable it can it can see you know yeah, you can I see mean, the we, wider we, we know Mercedes have done it with Lewis before with um, with Valtteri mm. so it, again we, we can totally understand it might not agree with it but it is what it is so staying with the front runners uh, we're going to go to Lewis Hamilton who has said that he wants to maintain respect in the title battle this is following on from Max Verstappen's uh, FP1 radio uh, uh, t- talking uh, about Lewis Hamilton when they were battling uh, in Austin and you know said a few choice words and calling one driver out <laughs> is that what you call um, it yeah I mean it, it wasn't words I'd particularly use to distinguish a fellow <laughs> racing driver who I'm battling with in a competition but you know <laughs> some do what some do um, <laughs> but you know it, I don't think Max particularly liked the mind games but at the same point no. Ma- Max equally initiated said, said mind games so you know, it's it's amazing. It goes with everything. There's one rule for one and not for another. But, you know, it is what it is. Yes, um, very much so. So, Jake, my question for you is, how feasible mm. do you think it will be for both of them to keep the peace? And do you think there's going to be any further accidents between the oh. two going towards the well, end of the season? I mean, if we just look at this weekend coming up, Mexico, one of the longest runs into term, I think the longest run into term one, right, on the calendar. And... Anything can happen, trying to outbreak people. If you remember, I think it might have been 2017 when Lewis missed the corner at the start because someone was on his inside and then yep. Max did it on the safety car restart and got penalised. <laughs> mm. Banter! Yeah. Less said about that, the better, I think. Maybe don't want to remind Max about that happening again. Um, but yeah, of course, it's very. I think it's very important to keep the peace and um, it's admirable of Hamilton to come out and say that, but also it's probably a little bit of... Hamilton trying to gain the moral high ground, isn't it? And uh, you know, come out as the uh, the statesman on top of it all and and show off his experience. I mean, he, again. He's used so to coming out on top of Max Verstappen. We just need to yes. get a monster for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> quite literally, very, very true. Quite literally. Um, moving on to um, Yuki Sonoda. Now we've mentioned this in a couple of episodes ago, Chris, when we found out that Alex Albon was starting to help Yuki Sonoda at. Grand Prix weekends, and I found this, I found this completely ironic because we had Alex Albon, of course, being booted off the grid, 
and then you and and then Yuki Snowden coming in, but then Alex Albon was away from the grid for a season. So then a, a sort of almost like an ex F one driver. I know he's been racing in F one longer than Yuki, but I felt you know, do you know what I mean? An ex F one driver coming Alex back coming to back well. to coach someone. He is, yeah, he is coming back, but I just found it it's quite funny. It's a as good to, exercise as to, for him, maybe getting back into it as well. Yeah, um, and, as to, and for Yuki Tsunoda, though, to then be taking advice, um, hopefully he's receptive to it, but you never know. It's like one driver talking to another. Anyway, Franz Tost was, was uh, you know, spoken to about it. Of course, his team principal of, uh, of Alpha Tauri, and this is, <laughs> this is my favourite bit of, of, of this story. This is what he said to the press when asked about it. He said, Alex comes to Yuki, talks with him, explains him the track, whatever. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> It's talk between drivers. I don't care. Um, it's it's typical Franz Tost, isn't it? Basically, to uh, respond in that way. Yeah, Franz is a bit like Kimmy. He's he he don't really like to say. They much. are. They really are. Yeah. So um, it's gonna be sad when and, all the all the sort of people leave Formula One <laughs> and go on to a commentary career, like we've said before. Oh, I really want Kimmy to go on to commentary <laughs> with Franz pay- Tost. <laughs> I mean, you just hear the cars drive around every lap. That's all you'd hear, and then <laughs> maybe maybe the occasional "boah" from Kimmy. And it's the fi- and it's the finish, and that's done. Oh, that's Great. it. Bye. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to Alfa Romeo now. There's lots been swirling about uh, a takeover and a decision on their final seat. They've kind of been the the eyes of the paddock have been on them basically for the sort of off track gossip in the last few races, and that we've been saying here on around the outside that there's been. Uh, Rumours of a takeover from the Andretti family about taking over a big stake in the Sauber company. However, that fell through, apparently, because of not of a lack of finance, but a lack of control. They didn't like the, the way the deal would be split for Andretti. Um, so they walked away from it. Um, but then, of course, that's affected the whole driver situation, Chris, which we've been swirling around for in the last couple of months as well. Yeah, obviously, we... we heard that if Andretti put through they want to bring one of their IndyCar drivers through which would have been Colton Herter um, obviously Colton Herter still potentially could get the seat I mean he's a good driver um, mm. so that's not out of the realms of possibility but I think it's looking more likely to be one of the original trio that we, we put put forward here on Around the Outside before which is looking to be Oscar Piastri Giovinazzi staying or the one that I still think is probably the most favourite which is um, Guan Yu Zhou mm. which would become the first Chinese driver on the grid which would just be uh, well, a landmark moment for the sport and um, he's a very exciting talent to possibly come through but uh, yeah all the all the Alpha Saga hopefully will be decided by the next race because we now know that the takeover is not going through and um, we're going to hopefully find out by the Brazilian Grand Prix as to who's filling that second seat Alfa Romeo so it's all to play for yeah it's uh, you know it's, it's the last seat on the grid you know it'd be nice to finally have a full list we'll have a full calendar of where we think we're going so yeah it'll be very very interesting um to yeah basically have everything confirmed it'll make everyone's jobs a lot easier i mean we had to wait till february to find out the entire grid for this season uh thanks for that that. (laughs) (laughs) um and then finally about it was a little bit of an encounter that we failed to mention about in in cota but uh, when martin brundle was doing his grid walk a rapper megan the stallion who uh, probably a few of you might know 
Um, she is a bit like Nicki Minaj and has a has a has a big attitude, a big personality, and um, had a lot of bodyguards around her. And basically, didn't really want to comment to Martin Brundle when uh, he approached her about being at the race that weekend. What did you make? Did you see the video, Chris? What did you make of it? I've sort of seen a little bit of it. Um, I I just think it's quite arrogant of people. Mm to do that sort of stuff we've seen it before with serena and venus williams um well it actually repeated itself well, yeah. at the US, at the grand prix that weekend as well it, it so did. you tried that again um but yeah i mean i don't know who they expect to encounter on f1 grid i mean they all go through <laughs> security yeah so you know and to be fair i know a lot of younger people i mean we're, we're quite young but a lot of younger people than us <laughs> know of megan the stallion i mean to me i could not give two monkeys um <laughs> but you know that was probably a bigger diva moment than mariah carey's had in, enti- in her entire career well very much yeah um, so and yeah i think it's very very disrespectful um from her entourage not necessarily megan the stallion um but from her entourage mm. to very much disrespect um martin brundle like that do you think people when they come onto the grid should give people the time of day you know because they, they, are, they, as, they as Martin Brundle it. said yeah as Martin Brundle said they're in their arena yeah so. it's you don't go to someone else someone else's house and sort of take over yeah um so yeah I think from that it was um pretty diabolical and I'm pretty sure she would have lost a lot of well F1 fans in particular um she probably would have gone down in their estimations if they had any of her <laughs> well they they might not now um final bit of news this week um williams going back to them and talking about of course their their most sort of improved team of, of the of the season so far but they said unfortunately they're gonna have to skip the abu dhabi test which is the postseason test that's happening for the 2022 cars because of financial reasons on building a mule car, which is essentially like a prototype, and they're getting a chance to test, you know, on their prototype car, the new 18-inch wheel wheels from Pirelli, uh, and all of that happening. Um, is this kind of spelling danger, and it is putting them well, very well and truly on the back foot before they've even begun? Chris, do you think this could be a big stumbling block for them, or do you think it's a wise, well, a wise decision, obviously on a financial side of things? Um- sort of it's it's not great and it's not bad um obviously they're just trying to keep finances low i mean who knows how close they are to the cap it could be something to do with mm. that um mm. but it just means it puts them on a slightly bit of a back foot for next season doesn't mean to say that you know they're going to be terrible for next season i mean we saw with braun they got took over in the january and by the february they were the fastest car in 2009 but we also know teams that miss tests First preseason tests in in new seasons, it can really really put a, a knife in the back, can't it? Yes, yeah, it can. Um, but you know, if if that's what they feel like they have to do to better prepare for next season, then you know it's 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 down for for them to do it. Hmm, hopefully, hopefully it, it works out all fine. But uh, oh, it's just it's just interesting to see. You know how how all these you know conditions we're in at the moment, the pandemic, post pandemic, and finances are all going to play out, and this sort of seems like the first indication of all these new rules and things about finances and cost caps and everything coming in. It looks it's very interesting, sort of bringing a whole new 
um, dynamic to it now, which we've been saying on the podcast in previous episodes, that it's all going to be about the efficiency now and more about the resources of teams rather than just chucking money left, right and centre, which some of the, obviously the bigger teams Sorry, can Jake, do. One, one more little bit of news. I, I saw mm. a stat to, uh, this week uh, involving Red Bull. Okay. Uh, and it involves their most successful driver, Sebastian Vettel, and their current title protagonist, Max Verstappen. Right. So the stat goes um, that in his five seasons at Red Bull, Sebastian Vettel drove 113 Grand Prix for Red Bull. Hmm. Max Verstappen, by starting the Mexican Grand Prix, will eclipse that and become Red Bull's longest-serving driver with 114 Grand Prix. Oh. Yeah, so I thought that would be a cheeky little stat to just chuck in there. Yeah. Uh, to also sum up that, you know, it's quite a big weekend for Max at Red Bull as well as Pe- che- Checo being at his own Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. No, you could cap it off in Star Wars. Never, you never would have thought that, would you? And you would have thought Vettel was I there think, a lot longer I, than that. I think I think Vettel's 113 Grand Prix is probably a little bit better than Max's 113 Grand Prix, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> who who knows pitching. what the future holds for Max? Well, well, it's looking bright at the moment, so we can't play that down. All right, that's all the news and gossip for this week and cheeky little stat there at the end from Chris. Um, let's Stat of the week. <laughs> stat of the week. Uh, let's look ahead now to this weekend's Grand Prix in Mexico. So, Jake, we're, we're at the point of the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, I mean, we've seen practice one and two. It's been two very different practice sessions. Mercedes faster in one, Red Bull faster in another. Um, how is that swinging you as to who you think is going to get pole for, for, for Saturday? Well, Max was five temp, pretty much five temps quicker um, than, than Lewis Hamilton in, in, in second practice. So it doesn't really bode well for Mercedes, but again, you never know. There's, there's Mercedes are the kings of clawing time back in practice sessions and, and refining the setup. And before you know it, they're they're kind of on it. I think there's similar things happened in Turkey, um, if I remember rightly, in that race. So you just you just you just can't really read into practice too much. But also, it is a bit worrying if that is the true reality. You never know what way to go. Um, so I think, yeah. I find it hard to see how Red Bull won't pick up pole, and I think Max will get it because just as the you know there's a, there's a long straight of course for, for sector one, which might play into Mercedes a bit more in the race perhaps. So I'll come on to that in a second. Um, but the sort of twisty sectors um, of of the second and third sectors play more down to Red Bull strengths. So I think Max is going to pick it up. Um, for Paul, what do you think? Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think over one lap, Red Bull are probably going to be ahead of Mercedes. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen over the last few years. I mean, I mean, apart from I think, I think it was last time we were in Mexico, uh, Valtteri won, um, but that mm. was because mm-hmm. Max yes, had did. had an issue. Um, if I remember. yeah, to retire. Yeah, so I mean, Max has always been very, very successful here. Uh, I think he's only not won twice. Um, and one of them is pretty close to winning, um, but he did get mm. a penalty, if you remember. Um, yes. And then, obviously, yeah, last time he, he, he didn't finish. So I feel Max, it, this is a Max track. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you that Max should be the one to get pole, providing he doesn't make any errors. 
which he hasn't really done this season too much. So why would that change now? Um, thinking of the race, though, I'm going to think in coming on to that. As I said just previously before, I think that long straight for Mercedes, I just think it's it's too long a straight for nothing to happen. And with DRS Open and the powertrain of Mercedes, I do think it's going to pay off. I really do. And I think... I think... Hamilton's going to clinch this one, but Max is going to be right behind him, I think. And I think we're heading for another Hamver bot here, don't you think? I just oh, think I don't it's... know. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. Mm. Although third place, third place is interesting. But I mean, but Bottas has been up there again, and it's hard to see. I don't think Ferrari and McLaren quite have the pace to to come out on top for this one. However. People have been saying about, we've been mentioning about how this is the highest altitude race. I think there have been echoes about how Mercedes power units struggle a bit more at higher altitude. They like th they like thicker air and they perform much better um, with the turbo, you know, with the turbocharger and, and all the systems they have going on and the way their engine is built. Whereas Red Bull didn't seem to affect them as much. So it could, again... It could totally swing and play into their yeah, favour. Not, not only that, but Red Bull seem to be happier in hotter conditions. Yes, and that too. And Merce yeah, Mercedes has never liked, as we know, especially if it's going to be following Verstappen, like we had in the last race for a little bit. Uh, it's never like sitting behind a car. It's always liked to be leading the way, being a front runner and having that clean air. Um, so yeah, that's my prediction. Hamverbot. Sorry to throw a Hamverbot in there, but uh, it's it's pretty inevitable for me. What do you um, think? What do you think, Chris? I mean, I think it's going to be very similar. <laughs> I, I feel I, I just feel like Max is going to win. Like, really? I, I just feel like it's it's just his track. Provided mm. nothing bad happens to him, I feel like he's going to win. Yeah. Um, I feel like something might happen to Lewis Hamilton, but I hope it doesn't. So I'm going to keep him a second. <laughs> but I just feel like he's going to get some bad juju this race. Yeah, you think? Uh, from who? Uh, from I mean, Perez? From, uh, from I don't midfield? Know. He, he, he doesn't ever tend to have a great Mexican Grand Prix. Mm. Like, I remember one season he finished the championship, he, he ended up ninth in the race. Um, I know he's won the race a couple of times. Yeah, that was a bad day for him. I can remember, but, him, I can remember him being really downbeat about that. Yeah, so it, he's he's had bad juju in that race before. What, um, what is this bad juju what is, what oh, is that no. I know, just got, you got you got to change up your vocabulary sometimes you know <laughs> bad juju just seems to be the one I've never heard that before oh, um, <laughs> and then I'm going to be unboring and I'm just going to chuck a random name for third and I'm going that's to not go boring random's not go, boring I'm going to go for Lando Lando Norris yeah why not where has he been this weekend well, I don't know. He's probably been in Mexico City like the rest of them. That would be funny. I mean, as in, where has he been? <laughs> I don't know. I've not. I've not seen where McLaren are, but McLaren are quite good on the straights. <laughs> yeah, just taking a look here in in practice. So Lando's twelfth. Um, yeah. Uh, so so I get a Nando's if if Lando gets third. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty safe on that bet because it's not going to happen. 
So yeah, well, sure. like, like I'm like I'm safe on Aston Martin getting second. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go back to that. Aston Martin, there's still a chance for them to get second in the constructors. Anything can happen. <laughs> I, don't, uh, don't, I, I think the mathematics are out of it, mate. <laughs> oh, are they? Okay, I, I think so. Maybe. Um, unlike McLaren, who, who could still get second. I don't think Norris either. is going to get third, but um, stranger things have happened. So yeah, there we go. Um, yes, I accept your crazy offer. Of, okay, of I'm, a, I'm down for that. that. Um, right, so we think Max on pole. I think Hamilton's going to win it. You think Verstappen's going to win it. Uh, I think Verstappen's going to come second. You think Hamilton's going to come second. I think Bottas is going to be the rear gunner of, of, of Hamilton. And come Verstappen. on, Lando. And you think it's going to be Lando in P3, even though he finished 12th in second practice. Oh, dear. Okay. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, thanks very much for this episode of Around the Outside it's um, been great to be back and have you back Chris after a week away and um, really looking forward to this Mexican Grand Prix who can take the victory is it going to be Hamilton finally putting his Mexican GP curse to bed and taking those all important points and closing that gap in the championship hopefully or can Lando Norris get a podium and get Chris and Lando's Probably not. We'll, we will see. Time will tell. Um, it's all going to be really exciting, I'm sure, as close as it has been all season. Um, but we'll see you next time here on Around the Outside when we'll be looking ahead to the Brazilian Grand Prix and rounding up what's happened all in Mexico. It's been Jake Peach here. And Chris Mars. We will see you next time. Take care and I won't be buying Chris and Nando's. Peace out and I'll have my Nando's. 